favorite day of the week because there's a new podcast but um i am finally back from las vegas i went there last week for halloween with my friends honestly it's taken me a good three days to sleep off um all of that (laughs) i finally have all my energy back and i feel normal again which is nice we had such a great time las vegas is such a beautiful place to be at this time of year the weather was amazing we could not have asked for a better experience So yeah, I'm so happy. Um, But leading in today's podcast, I have a special guest for you all, which I think you're really going to enjoy it. His name is Nick B. He's a photographer in the Myrtle Beach area. He works for Myrtle Beach Safari, which you guys might know because it was in the Tiger King documentary. So he works very closely with all these animals, runs all their social media, and it's just a very interesting listen. We talk about Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, um doc Antle, all of that so let's just dive straight in and i hope you guys enjoy it nick b how are you doing today hey good how are you uh just you know was up late last night trying to follow the election you know so a little oh, tired same. But, you know. I, of course it's leading in today and through, through the weekend probably we won't know which i i know it's gonna be crazy to follow and see what you know comes of it but you know I know. All right. Why don't you introduce yourself? Just to give us a little background, and you know, where did you grow up, and how did you get into photography? For those people that don't know you, for sure. So my my name is Nicholas Balistrasi. Um, I'm 25. I'm originally from Long Island, New York. I was you know into sports growing up. Um, never was really into photography at all. Um. So growing up as like an athlete, you know, like art stuff never really appealed to me. Um, So, you know, I came down to Coastal Carolina actually to be in the PGM golf program. And shortly after realizing that that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, I transitioned myself into photography um, basically because I got a camera for Christmas midway through freshman year and that kind of transitioned me into that style of photography and knowing about arts and being involved in that kind of area of doing things. That's crazy. So it wasn't until freshman year until you really started. Exactly. And I I honestly never really knew what a, like a camera was. Like I knew there was like disposables and stuff like that, but I never knew anything about like DSLRs and mirrorless cameras. And I didn't know that honestly, that stuff even really existed for the you know, everyday user. Yeah, so exactly. Really familiar with it. So, did you um, uh, take any classes in high school at all, or is this so, really the first time that you started? Was you know freshman year of college? Yeah, I never, I never took any classes. Like, I, I honestly, I never really knew it was the actual thing that you could do. I never was ever introduced to it at all. Um, so, going into college, I started doing photography uh, midway through freshman year. And I, did, I wasn't even taking any photography classes in college either. I didn't start taking photography classes until Your own. my junior, my, well, no, well, I did, I did photography classes my junior year just to get credits okay. because I figured, you know, if I'm doing it, why not just take a couple of classes for credits? Because, you know, I'm, I'm doing it and I, I feel like I'm good enough to where I can just kind of 
just like, you know, skirt by it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Really and not really worry about it. So you might, you might as well get the credits for it if you were already doing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it actually got to a point where it became, it became kind of, uh, it, it, it kind of, you know, was dragging out. So I was kind of losing interest because I felt like I kind of knew a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So I ended up befriending the, the chair of the department and I did more like actual jobs with him, like paid gigs instead of actual oh, wow. doing classes and uh, kind of trans- transferred into more of a friendship with the, with the chair of the department and became, uh, you know, kind of a side hustle, actually, which it actually did. That's so, awesome. I'm sure that gave you really good experience right out of the start, which is really great for your career right now, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I definitely, I mean... For sure. I mean, taking photography classes at Coastal was great. I mean, I actually did learn a lot, especially about mm-hmm. the basics of photography that, you know, I mean, you could learn it on YouTube, but I guess learning it in person from a professor that knows his stuff, it was really beneficial to me for sure. Yeah, so that's that definitely more hands-on for sure. Mm, exactly, exactly. Well, since you didn't get started with photography until college, do you think that put you behind other photographers in Myrtle Beach area? Um, There, there, there was definitely a ton of photographers in Myrtle Beach, around mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina. And honestly, that kind of motivated me because I felt like, you know, just starting out and being new to the game and seeing all the other guys who were doing it and other girls who were doing it and seeing how, how good they were, it kind of motivated me to be better myself. And, you know, I was seeing people post on Instagram and um, Facebook and I kind of said to myself, you know, I, I want to do that kind of stuff, but I want to also do better. So I was just you know, trying my best to improve my skills, whether it was watching YouTube videos or just watching how other photographers did their work. Exactly. And like marketing themselves. Exactly. Is that um, kind of how you made like getting your clients and paid shoots through Coastal? Because I, I have a few friends that you have shot for their stories and you do their videos and pictures. And I think that's just a great way to start out your business um, with like, you know, the college life around campus. Yeah, so I mean, just a short like synopsis. So I, I ended up getting an internship with one of the uh, most you know recognizable um, wedding photographers in Myrtle Beach, Gene Ho Photography, and he's you know big in the wedding scene. You know, been doing it for decades, and I learned a lot from him. And that's what kind of got me started with doing portraiture and you know headshots and weddings and stuff like that. And then I transitioned that to doing stuff with my own my own name. So. What I thought was, you know, instead of doing just, you know, portrait after portrait of one single person at a time, why not do sororities and fraternities? Because then you'd have, you know, 50 girls at one time or 50 to 100 guys at one time. And then and you just go down the line. Well, yeah. And, and yeah. If, you take a, if, you, if you take a group photo and every and at least, you know, 50 of the 100 people, at least, at least half of the people who are in that sorority or fraternity repost your photos and tag you. That's just that's that's such an immense exposure, especially when you're doing ten sororities and fraternities. You know, when you're doing four shoots a year for each you know sorority and fraternity. So it's just it was great exposure. And then I also started to dabble in the athletics at Coastal because I figured you know if there's a hundred guys on a football team, if there's twenty guys on a basketball team, twenty girls on a basketball team, why not do the big groups of people because that's just going to get your name out there. And when and, you know, it ended up resulting in me getting a ton of jobs from their family members and friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, even doing the, the, I ended up getting a full-time job with the women's basketball team as their travel photographer and videographer, which wow. was great. You know, I did, I, I traveled all over the country doing all their photography and videography 
and that was just from doing free shoots for the basketball team. Just, I ended up, you know, getting media passes from the Chanticleer newspaper and um, was able to get my way into just doing photos for free. I'd contact the girls and guys on the team and say, Hey, you know, I got these photos, you know, I'll, I'll share them with you. Just put them on your Instagram and, and tag me and that'd be awesome. And then that kind of transitioned me to actually getting a job offer from the uh, actual team, which is, which is really good for me starting out. Cause I learned a lot of stuff. That's crazy. So you yeah. really were hustling until you kind of, I mean, and you still are hustling, but I mean, you've built your oh, business yeah. up so much just by, I mean, using your time. I feel like once you get the camera, it's just really your time that you're putting in, which is, which is awesome because you are taking it to really better yourself and your business. Yeah. Um, and, and I always tell people, you know, getting started, try to, try to do everything you can. Like, don't just stick to one thing. And I know, like, I know people, people do good when they, when they stick to one niche eventually, but, you know, mm-hmm. le- learning every aspect just helps you in the general aspect of photography. Because if you just stick to, like, nightlife photography, and then if someone, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're doing that for 10 years and you've only done nightlife photography and then someone asks you to do a wedding, you're really not going to know what to do. You know, you want to kind of dabble in everything you can a little bit as much as you can because you never know when that job is going to offer you, you know, a couple thousand dollars to do it. And if you, go, if you say to yourself, man, I don't think I can handle that. You know, that's, you know, that's kind of sucks for you. Exactly. That gives you so much more experience too, just working in so many different fields. Exactly. And you you really just don't know who knows who, you know, whoever it is, you know, just a quick example, you know, I was doing a, this this girl asked me to do a graduation shoot for her. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was super, I was super busy at the time. And I was kind of, you know, not really interested in doing graduation shoots at the time. Like, like I said, I was super busy with doing a lot, of, a lot of safari stuff, which we'll get into. And I, uh, I wasn't answering her. I kind of forgot about it. And I finally, you know, took the time to answer her and scheduled the graduation shoot. Did the graduation shoot. Uh, about a week later, uh, she was showing her family the graduation pictures and her, her cousin or aunt or something along those lines uh, is, was apparently the manager of uh, Bon Jovi. And no way. Yeah. So the, the the lady loved my photos so much. They needed a photographer for one of the uh, the band members of Bon Jovi for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And the guy just so happened to be living in South Carolina. And the girl was like, hey, you know, I saw your graduation photos you do with my cousin. Uh, we need a photographer for tomorrow for one of the members of Bon Jovi. The photos will be up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, can you do it? We need it tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's Holy awesome. Holy shit. That's that huge. To, that just goes to show, you know, don't ever – don't ever turn down jobs if you if you if you can't. You know what I'm saying? If you, exactly. if you can do the job, do the job because you just don't know what anything will lead to. And that was just a simple graduation shoot in you know in the cold of November, and it turned into a a, a shoot with Bon Jovi at the guy's house. You know, so yeah, that is stuff insane. Like that, you just never know. Yeah. I feel like pictures really travel because if you take a good picture and people are obviously going to repost it, you know. Like so many oh, people yeah. see it and it's all about who those people know and then you get connected with them and that's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and people say, you know, photos are timeless, you know, photos are going to be exactly. looked at and seen forever, you know, and you know, video has changed so much over the years. Photos kind of, I mean, yeah, they went from film photos to digital photos, but the kind of idea of a, of a photograph hasn't really changed and it's just so easily shareable where video sometimes can be a little difficult to share, you know? Mm-hmm. So Totally. So did you enjoy going to Coastal? Uh, what year did you end up graduating? Yeah, so I loved, I loved Coastal, you know. I, 
I was originally planned and set to go to a school in New York, you know, some kind of, it's called a SUNY school. I'm sure if anyone's listening from New York, they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but came down to Tulsa for PGM. You know, I honestly love the program, but I was actually majoring in resort tourism and I didn't like the, the major of the business resort tourism. Mm-hmm. So I ended up uh, trading my major to, changing my major to national security and intelligence, which I love. I just okay. love that whole aspect of that. And I ended up graduating on time in August in the summer um, of 2017. So I think I'm, what is it, three years removed now. So, I mean, I appreciate everything I I got from Coastal. So, I mean, if I didn't go to Coastal, I probably might have never gotten into photography and never been on this path that I'm on now. So, Yeah, that's awesome. I tell everyone, I'm like, Coastal is such a great school. It's like the perfect size for anything. Oh yeah, you know, it's 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 super sociable. You know, it's 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 so connection based. You know, with everything you do, whether you're in a sorority, whether you're on an athletic team, whether you're doing you know the major that you're doing. Mm -hmm. But you know, honestly, I don't even know if I use my major. You know, at this point, I know (laughs) exactly. I mean, who knows? But I mean, honestly, at this point, I doubt I'll even do anything near that field. But like I said, you just never know. So. Yeah, and yeah, it's just, I feel like it's all for, like, the experience mostly, which is, you learn so much just being around people from pretty much all around the world go there, I, I feel like. Oh, for so, sure, yeah, I have, tons, I have tons of foreign friends from Montenegro to Australia, yeah. it's crazy. So after but. you graduated, is that when you started getting um, into starting your LLC and your website and everything? So actually, you know, another funny story is, like, like I said, I was doing work with the professor. I, I kind of tra- transitioned out of the photography class to more so working with the guy who was the chair of the department. Mm-hmm. And we did a job for one of these classes, but it wasn't a class. It was more so just do a job, you get the credit. It was more so like kind of like an internship. Mm-hmm. And um, I did the job for the, for the, it was like for a law office. So I, was, I did a bunch of headshots for the law office for their website. And after I did the photos, the, the lawyer loved, the head, the head lawyer uh, of, the, of the practice loved my photos so much, he actually offered to, to give me my LLC free of charge. What? Um, no way. That's, in, which that's in, crazy. Yeah, which was incredible, which, I mean, an LLC in South Carolina, I mean, costs upwards of like $900 to $1,000, yeah. you know, super expensive. And it's, it's like a super lengthy process. And she did so, it within so like, long. she did it with a couple of days. Yeah. You know, she did it in a couple of days and kind of just made it happen. She just loved my work, loved my work, you know, the hustle that I was doing. And, you know, I sat with her and talked to her for a while and uh, it ended up working out. And I kind of was able to kind of jolt my business into a more professional manner, which obviously, you know, everyone would, that's everyone's dream is to have their own business and mm-hmm. make it so like, you know, legitimate in an LLC or have a trademark or something like that. And, you know, I, I've always had my website. I just do it on you know, squarespace.com, I pay the mm-hmm. yearly fee, you know, but I'm always updating it as much as I possibly can. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always been hustling through college and after graduation. Um, but obviously, um, I think after I graduated, I got he- I got a lot more heavy into doing the safari stuff. So how did the connection with the Myrtle Beach Safari, like, start? So I was interning for that guy, for that wedding photographer, early mm-hmm. on and he ended up having that contract with doc Antle at the safari to do photos because doc didn't want um his trainers and the people who actually work with the animals taking the photos he'd rather have a hired in photography group so i was just you know kind of in the right place at the right time 
a part of this internship with this photography wedding photographer who had this contract. So I was going there doing the tours that they have part time, you know, probably 10 tours a year. And, and just a little background, they, they give these wild encounters tours, which are these four hour tours that guests come on three times a week for from March till November. And um, that's what I was doing. I was just taking basic photos of guests, meeting the animals, you know, very, you know, very touristy kind of esque photography, you know, very yeah. simple, straightforward, nothing creative to the nine. But um, that's what I was doing. I did that for about two and a half, three years. And then I said, you know what, I kind of want to go full time with the safari. And, you know, I want to move on from the basketball team because the basketball team was only making, you know, not, not, nothing crazy money wise. So I ended up getting, you know, a little bit of a raise going to the safari. And but I just felt like the safari was just a super amazing opportunity to for exposure for myself and it would it would be great if I could grow their brand as well as mine but more importantly grow their brand to show that I can grow someone's brand with mm -hmm. my photography and then you know I honestly never even got into videography until I worked for Safari I never did video ever until then um, but then I you know started working with the social media um, and stuff like that but that's where I got into social media i was doing a little bit with the basketball team but not at a large scale but i got into social media videography youtube TikTok, instagram i got into all that stuff for the safari because they needed it okay. um that's at, that's at, at the time wow so you really just dove straight in when you went to the myrtle beach safari i feel like after you graduate and you don't have to worry about school anymore like putting your priority into your profession, you know, which is also a passion mm. of yours. That's so awesome that you get to be around that every single day. Oh yeah. And you know, I honestly never really was like super into social media stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there, I obviously ran my own Instagram just cause you know, that's where I was honestly making a lot of my money was through Instagram cause just through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't, but I didn't really understand the whole vast aspect of what social media is, which is it's, if you really had time to just dive into talking about social media, I think it'd be a, a, an incredible topic to discuss because social media is like studying it and understanding it is, is, is just insane to even, even grasp. It's really changed from even like, you know, when you graduated college 2017 from what it is right now, like oh, yeah. it's huge. Instagram is such a huge platform and now TikTok, <laughs> you have that too, that you have to manage. It's insane. Oh, and, 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 and there's YouTube too, which, is, which yes. is another, you know, monster of the social media world, which is, Huge. you know, another, like another thing that I run, which, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, I think, so, so what I do at the Safari right now, I do all the photography. So I mm -hmm. do all the tours still. I do all the tourist photos of the people taking the day safari, the night safari, um, all that stuff. And then I also have like, been promoted kind of to running the social media from the Instagram to the TikTok to the YouTube, um, wow. from posting photos, creating the content. You know, we do, we do, a, well, you know, we post a bunch of stuff on Instagram. Um, we post a bunch of stuff on TikTok, but our main focus right now, at least the focus that I've been putting on this, on the, at the Safari is YouTube. So we post one YouTube video a week. Um, and we've, and since I came to the Safari, I've grown, you know, the, the following immensely from, I think we started, when I started the Instagram, it was at 12,000 followers and now it's at upwards of, you know, 400,000. 
uh, when I started, you know, they didn't have a TikTok and I grew the TikTok to 1.4 million or, you know, whatever it's at now. Um, and the YouTube had 17,000 subscribers when I started posting and now it's at like 560,000 subscribers. Those so, are huge numbers. And then, and then plus there's also, you know, Doc's page, which I help him run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Cody, you know, the, the, the Tarzan looking guy. Yeah. Um, Is he the son of Doc? Yeah, so he's a son, so he lives there. He's okay. he's thirty years old now. He's he lives there, works there, and he's big time animal trainer. You know, works with the tigers and the chimpanzees. But we grew his TikTok to he's at like twenty and a half million right now. People love like I, on TikTok. I was checking out the account, but it's like how could you not love looking at like the animals? But they're edited so well, so that's why I was wondering if you if you ran it and if you edited the oh, video yeah, well, and everything. You know, it's like. You know, I, I, I always like to, you know, make it creative and, and mm-hmm. use the different trends. And But, you know, it, it's all about sitting there and studying the trends, watching what other people are doing, the consistency, you know, because, you know, they, they you know, the safari, you know, everyone at the safari had social media beforehand and they were doing it, you know, well before I, I was there. But it was more so the, the, the idea of consistency in the quality of the content being out, mm-hmm. being put out. So, they were, they were putting out videos just like we're putting out today, you know, with them running around with tigers and chimpanzees and the chimpanzees driving cars, eating ice cream, you know, <laughs> Cody with the tigers. But it was more so the consistency, the quality, and the understanding of the algorithm um, in order to, to boost everything, you know, to, to make it go and get shared quicker and more efficiently. And that's, yeah. kind of what I, that's kind of what I focused on in the beginning and what helped that a lot was reaching out to celebrities and influencers to broaden the reach of that um, audience. Because if we're, if we're, you know, the, the, the animal community was so, super, was so specific in who was watching. And I just figured, you know, why not reach out to the community that follows the rappers, the community that follows the YouTubers? You know, those are communities mm-hmm. that don't even know the animal world even exists. Exactly. So and that opens you up to, to a whole new audience. Exactly. You know, I, you know, I've been able to get people to the safari. Like there's a rapper called Casanova and he's mm-hmm. you know big time, you know, Brooklyn kind of rapper, but he's huge following, you know, the ACE family, you know, huge YouTube following, but nobody even knew the safari existed. And once they started coming, there yeah, was a it blew huge up. flood of people coming from the, I mean, I mean, Doc wow. had a great, I mean, Doc had a great, you know, consistent base of people coming from word mm-hmm. of mouth. But once the social media kind of exploded it, it, it changed the demographic of the people coming. You exactly. Know, the, the, and it just became such a wide variety of, of people visiting the safari. It was mind-blowing. And it, just, it was so noticeable just seeing the different kinds of people, different nationalities, different everything. Visiting the safari, being able to enjoy it. And, and learn about the animals just based just because of social media. Yeah, social so. media really provides so many like outlets for everything. I, I used to work for a few resorts down here in Florida where I live doing influencer marketing and social media campaigns, just helping out with marketing. Um, but like, for example, we would trade stays with people and have them post while they were there for more exposure. And it definitely is crazy what that can even do because, you know, they know people, they have friends, and if they trust them, like, they're coming to the resort, which is also same thing with the safari. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just crazy how that leads into that so quickly. 
are you exactly around the animals all day or are you just there for the tours like what's your what's your day look like yeah so i mean i'm pretty much you know i'm there most of the time i'm i'm on call so if i'm not there i'm always on call so if, if they need me there for a shoot you know i'm there drop of a hat you know if mm-hmm. they say oh you know we have uh, uh four guests that have a tiger that want to do a tiger swim you know i'll be there and i'll be there in you know 20 25 minutes to do that shoot so you know i'm there you know most of my time. So I've kind of, you know, pushed my business a little bit of a, a, aside and my personal growth. I put that, I push that aside as much as I can, just so I can focus on the safari and all the tasks at hand from, cause I, you know, I have all those social media accounts to tend to plus any shoot that occurs on the property, whether it shoots with guests or it shoots with um, Cody running around with tigers or, you know, docked with bubbles in the waterway <laughs> or any of the other trainers doing any other kind of shtick with animals just for, social media content or anything like that, you know, cause they do everything that I film of the, of the trainers doing the things with the animals mm-hmm. um, is a part of their daily routine. So they're doing that kind of stuff anyway. So and you're I, just so, there and, to record and like get, get yeah, the content. Exactly. So, so when Cody goes on a walk with a 600 pound tiger, he's doing that regardless of me filming it. You know, okay. when, uh, when doc goes to the waterway with bubbles, he's, you know, he's doing that regardless four times a week with bubbles, you know? So, all that stuff is not just for social media. It's they're doing it, but you know, obviously if we're filming they they might do a little dialogue just to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. But, um, which I mean, you know, how hard is it to make something interesting when you have a, a 9,000 pound <laughs> elephant and a 600 pound tiger, but you know, dialogue. Exactly. But you know, <laughs> so you... I'm always there whenever they need stuff like that. And whenever we need content. So exactly. that's mainly like what, and then I'm there for every tour, every night safari, um, all that stuff. And then all the elephant swims, all the tiger swims and, you know, people can, can book tiger swims. So, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a large amount of money to do that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. but like, no that's a, that's a once in a lifetime experience. I feel like. I, exactly. I, there's no, there's nowhere you can do it, especially in the safest way possible that we do it. Um, so it's, it's ideal to always do it here just because, you know, you're not going to get it anywhere else like you do here for sure. I don't yeah. even know if there's anywhere in North America that you can swim with a tiger or definitely not an elephant. Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so looking at the videos like on TikTok and your YouTube and the animals are always playing outside and eat, like eating, running. They're always super active. Have you had any experiences that have scared you at all with the animals? Um, I'm usually, I'm usually super calm in those situations. I never mm-hmm. really have to worry about anything. Um, because all, everybody at the safari is you know, super professional in what they do because they live, breathe what they do 24-7, 365. You know, they're there living there at all times of the day. You know, they're living with the tigers. They're living with the chimpanzees. They're living so, with, you know, Doc lives with bubbles. You know, they're all, yeah. it's, it's, it's on a big 52-acre property. Um, and they're all, it's a very tight-knit community that they have there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I, in, in, in every situation, I, I am always trustworthy of the trainers to always have my best interest at hand. Since, you know, I'm always focused on taking the pictures and taking the videos. So I'm not always on, I'm not, I'm not always on high alert because I'm always, you know, focused on getting the shot. But, you know, I'm always yeah. kind of have my peripherals on just in case something happens. But it's never actually got, got to that point. So yeah. the animal that, the, the, the specific animal that I'm, uh, that I'm always on edge about because they're super unpredictable are the chimpanzees. Um, that's what I've heard, yeah, like from just I mean, articles and stuff. 
yeah, I mean, they're, they're super sweet boys, super cute, super, super nice. And, and they've gotten used to me over time. But when I first started, um, I had to really be on my toes with them because chimpanzees are not friendly to people. They don't trust. To, to, to the majority of people that yeah. aren't around in their lives because it's just more of a threat if they don't know you. So if they don't know you, I mean, there's a very, very uh, rare person that nowadays that they get along with that they never met. And it's usually someone that's super macho in their personality where they kind of just look at them in respect. But the most people, they would they would beat up if they saw them and it was just them and that other person. They'd probably beat them up and do some harm to them for sure. But yeah. it's kind of like just walking into a biker bar. And, you know, you're wearing a, you know, some kind of dance costume into a biker bar. They're going to want to beat you up because you don't belong there. And it's kind of the same kind of aspect. Exactly. And they're so territorial. I mean, they are animals, exactly. so you can't, you can't blame them. Um, exactly. But when they're, but when they're, when they're small, cause we have a couple baby chimps right now. They are. Oh, they're the so cute. They're, they're, they're the cutest little things in the world. Um, All the great. baby yeah. animals are adorable. Like the, the tigers, oh, yeah. everything. I'm like, wow. I wish that's like, that's a dream job to be around all that every day. Like it has to just make you so happy. No, it's, it's incredible. And to be able to like, to, to film that content and share it and, you know, make everyone else's day and make everybody who doesn't have the ability to come see it, especially during these times of COVID, you know, it's it's awesome to be able to share that and share the story and share the mission of, of what goes on at the party, which is great. Yeah. So Going into the Tiger King documentary, for those of you that don't know what this documentary is, you should crawl out of the rock you're under and watch it. (laughs) It's a 2020 American true crime documentary, and it's on Netflix. It's about uh, the life of a zookeeper named Joe Exotic, and he lands himself in prison for 22 years. So a little backstory on that. Was that being filmed while you were working there? Yeah, so that they started filming that roughly three and a half years ago. They that's when that's when they started filming it. Wow, and so it's been they, a long production for them. Oh yes, yeah. So they so they filmed over the course of about three and a half years. Um, when they came here, they actually told Doc that, and I, I, I mean, I, I kind of remember all of it because I was always in contact with Doc. He was kind of always relaying information about what was going on, mm-hmm. you know. So he would, you know, what he always told us was, you know. The, the director came to him and told him it was going to be some kind of conservation show. And it had nothing to do with Joe Exotic, nothing to do with Carol Baskin. It was just something, you know, Doc was just kind of like an excerpt in a bigger show of conservation. It was, it was an aspect of conservation. Nobody really knew what, was it, what it was about specifically, but it had that gist of what that was. Um, and then they also told Doc that the show was going to be produced for an HBO so no one ever mentioned anything about Netflix. Nobody mentioned anything about Joe Exotic being involved. Nobody mentioned anything about Carol Baskin being involved. Um, so it was totally kind of like, you know, out of wow. nowhere, out of the ballpark when it actually came out. Um, so nobody, that, I mean, that's so, insane. Yeah, so he so really didn't he, know the storyline of it. That's crazy. Exactly. So, well, like what ended up happening was, the guy, Eric Good, who was the director and producer of the show, mm-hmm. he ended up selling the, the, the footage in bulk to the people who created Fire Festival, which I'm sure you know, people know yeah. is a big social media blow up of a show that you know, screwed over a bunch of people. 
but like they created such an, an amazing, dramatic, like noteworthy show that people just had to watch because it was super dramatic. So those people are who made the Tiger King, which now, you know, to some people, I'm sure, makes sense as to how and I'm why. Not even, I'm so not even surprised possible. by that. Yeah. That... Exactly. So everyone, like everybody who was involved in the show, from Carol Baskin to Joe Exotic to all the other zookeepers that were involved to Doc, they, were, they all went to Eric Good and they were like, hey, man, like, what the heck is going on? Like, <laughs> what, what is this? Because, you know, they all found the trailer like a month before it came out. And we were all like, what is this? This so this they were they were cool. all surprised. Oh, yeah, all, the... all surprised! Wow. Yeah. So so the guy was going around to all these different places to Joe's place, to Carol's place, and they were doing interviews. And to from what it seems to me is they were doing, they would ask him a bunch of questions that they were willing to answer. And mm-hmm. like every now and then, they they would slip a small question about somebody else. So they'd ask Carol a small thing about Joe. Or they'd ask Joe a small thing about Carol, but then move on to something that he's actually interested in talking about. But they'd get those sound bites, and they knew that those sound bites would be so crucial because what I think was what happened was they went to Joe, they found Joe Exotic, nobody knew who he was really, and they found him and they and they, and they looked at him after they probably interviewed him. They were like, "Wow, like this guy's insane! Like we got to <laughs> do the, the show about this guy. Like this is a million dollar show, and obviously, you know, hundreds of million dollars show, but." You know, they, I think that's what happened was they, they encountered him and realized that there was this beef with this other zookeeper in Florida, Carol. Uh-huh. And they said, oh, my God, we have to run with this. And they used Doc as more of like a, a flair to the show just to make it a little more interesting, you know, because, you know, nothing bad is going on at Myrtle Beach Safari. And they never could really, you know, solidify any kind of proof that anything's going on they like they, they like they threw the little jab at the end about the euthanizing cut tiger cubs but that was just obviously a a, a far-fetched claim but mm-hmm. they just used doc and his you know his lifestyle as more of a flair to the show just to make it a little more interesting just to show um, like another zookeeper really exactly you know and doc obviously he lives a, a interesting lifestyle but that's the way he lives and is and is you know it's just the way he does it um but you know that's the only thing they could really talk about. There was nothing really animal-wise they can even bring up with Doc that had any kind of uh, worth. Yeah, you know, everything was mainly about Carol and and her facility and how poor it is, and Joe's and how poor his was. Which his facility was better than Carol's, but still not good. Um, it's but. funny because I I live right now about an hour from Carol's like big cat rescue that she has. Mm. And mm-hmm. from seeing it on the show, from when I watched it, like compared to the area at, the, at Myrtle Beach, it does not look as big or oh, I feel no, like yeah. the animals I are per- always in the cages there. Not that I've ever been, but I'm just saying from the documentary, it just looks like they're not happy. And oh, then you yeah. go, you oh, see yeah, the, the Myrtle are- Beach one and it's completely different. Yeah, from, from what I've heard, the cats there are, are all hands off. Um, if you ever like, if they are, if you ever seen a, a bird's eye view of the property, yeah, you know, it's it's no more than, it's definitely no more than ten acres big. You know, it's super small. Mm-hmm. Um, so and she claims to have uh, you know numerous big cats and other animals, and and everyone's like, how is that even possible? Your your property is like the size of a, a someone's house. You know, it's, it's no <laughs> big, it's no more big than you know eight acres, ten acres for sure. It's you definitely know. not big enough for all those animals, that's for sure. It's, it's sad. Exactly. Well, 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 she claims she has all that, but 
you know, the fact is she, she probably doesn't. Um, so, but like all of her animals are completely hands off. Nobody touches them. Nobody does anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. they all, so everybody who works at Carol's place, you know, and this is all, you know, word of mouth. This is what I've heard from people who are, have direct connections with her. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody who works there are volunteers. So she's not, she doesn't have any overhead other than feeding the cats and t- and that's, that's it. You know, all the cleaning that gets done, uh, anything that requires any kind of maintenance is all volunteer volunteers. Work. So I feel like they need more than that though. They need like interaction. Well, I mean, of course, you know, but that's just not what she's about. And she's yeah. about raking that money in from donations. And she, she, she makes a lot of her money through like mass amounts of donations because it's not expensive to go into her park. It's like 10 bucks or something like that to get in, you know, where uh, at Myrtle Beach Safari here, it's like on the low end, if you're taking a tour, you're spending 400 bucks a person, yeah. you know, so, and that money goes directly to the rare species fund that helps all the conservation projects on her end. She doesn't do any conservation. She doesn't do any charity work. It's all just for her own, her own profit. Because she's not paying anyone on the on the other end. Um, yeah, I so. definitely, I definitely would not go there just because I don't even want to give her the ten dollars. Even though it's like nothing, ever, but <laughs> ever, ever ever since Tiger King, she's actually been closed, and she hasn't, she has yet to open since Tiger King. Seriously, wow. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so her doors have been absolutely closed. Nobody's been in. Nobody's been out. You know, it's it's just been. She's been shut off, but she's super wealthy. She owns a ton of properties in Tampa, you know, 90 plus homes she owns in Tampa, you know, so she's, she's making tons of money off of that kind of stuff. So she's yeah. invested a lot of her money. So I've heard. So, I mean, yeah, that's that... what she's doing. And then obviously Joe's in prison for 22 years. And <laughs> I've actually, I've actually met Joe because he actually came uh, probably a couple years ago to do an elephant swim right before he got incarcerated. Really? And, you know, what was he like? Uh, he wasn't as, you know, crazy as he is on camera. I think he definitely boosts his personality up a little bit and his energy up was a little more dramatic, bit on yeah. camera. Yeah, for sure. But he definitely, you know, walks and talks like he does on the show. So it's 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 accurate in that aspect. Um, but you know, he, he is who he is and he's you know, Joe Exotic, the the gunslinging guy from Oklahoma. <laughs> so and it's funny because so Doc has this producing team on property right now filming a uh, Tiger Kingdom show, which is like a, a secondary show to Tiger King, kind of like answering all of the lies and questions that Tiger King brought up. And Joe Exotic's current husband actually recently came and he was doing some tiger swims and elephant swims and hanging out. But um, Wow, so they're kind of putting the story in their hands now, which is good because I feel like last time – the people that were running that show kind of didn't have a plot. They kind of just made it up as they go. So that's, exactly. that's nice. Yeah. 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 So Doc Antle has like a background in films and movies, right? Cause I, I think I saw that on the documentary. Yeah. So Doc did, um, Dr. Doolittle, Ace Ventura with Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. um, Mighty Joe Young and, you know, hundreds of other TV movie and commercials. Uh, stuff. So he has a vast idea of how to do production, you know, because, you know, he's been doing it from, uh, I, I must say, you know, the 80s to, you know, till now. The, the, well, the early 2000s, you know, yeah. they, stopped, they stopped doing movies and commercials and TV shows um, in the early 2000s just because of uh, CGI. Uh, CGI took over that whole industry because it was, uh, 
a lot less time consuming and a lot less money to do to have a fake tiger in a movie like you know or a fake elephant or stuff like that it's just with less kind of time consuming and just a lot less money because mm-hmm. all animal trainers charge a ton of money because it's, it's a lot of work to train a tiger to, to jump up on a table or yeah. to have an elephant run through a wall like bubbles <laughs> in an ace tour you know it just takes a lot of time so that stuff just costs a ton of money and cgi is super easy you just have a guy behind the computer editing a couple things and there you go you gotta you gotta masterpiece he has yeah he has a ton of experience in that um so it's it's been cool to kind of see that and learn from it i'm sure yeah to have his insight on that kind of aspect of production and you know obviously his stuff is you know his idea of filming is is a certain way especially you know it's kind of in that way of how it was done during that time and then i have my way that i've been learning and and kind of figuring it out of modern day so we kind of mix that together in like editing styles and filming styles and then we get what we get from you know when we post on youtube and tiktok and all that kind of stuff there's so much experience too in that field that you can pick up on that's awesome oh yeah and and and, and he's worked with you know top of the line photographers when he's you know shooting for vogue and all those yeah. big time publication magazines, you know, stuff like that. So he's worked with the biggest, you know, Annie, Annie Leibovitz, if anyone's, you know, familiar with photography, you know, p- big time people like that. So, um, you know, it's great to kind of know that aspect and kind of, and, and, you know, it's, it's been good for me because, you know, I, I feel like there's no more of a high pressure shoot than, than working with big cats, but also working with Doc, because it's always, you know, you got to make sure you get it. And if you don't get it, there, there's no second chance. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's it, it's it's been good for me and beneficial to me to to work in that kind of high pressured environment because you know I feel like I can do any environment now after working and doing this kind of stuff because I mean every shoot my technically my life's on the line you know yeah so it's, it's pretty it's and pretty you're just waiting to get the right picture which kind of happens when the animals are moving and jumping and you really never know so. Exactly. I mean, like I said, anything could happen, but you know, it, 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 it just wouldn't happen just because the, it just, for, for that kind of situation, it's a very ideal situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah. I'm very fortunate to be like that. Cause I wouldn't do that kind of stuff at Carol's place or Joe's no place. Way. There's, no, no. There's, there's no way. And there's instances where people have, have done photo shoots at these kind of, those kind of rundown places and they've gotten attacked. You know, yeah. we just had a, Recently, we had a Nat Geo photographer come to us, and he literally said to it, you know, it ended up kind of going sour relationship with the guy, but he was telling us a story that, you know, he was doing a shoot at, at some zoo, you know, wherever he was doing it in the Midwest, and he actually had a tiger jump on him and, you know, almost bite his arm off. And he, when he came to the safari, he was like, oh, my God, you, you know, you guys have it so down pat. I feel so safe and secure. Yeah. I don't have to worry about anything. So, <laughs> that you know, would be so that, scary. Exactly. You know, but, so coming from that kind of guy, it just shows that the difference of the environment from working at a place that is kind of like run down and not so fortunate and it's not so well off and doesn't have the trained employees to somewhere like this where you don't really have to worry about anything. When I first heard that all the trainers, you know, live there and they're working all the time, I was like, that would like, you know, I don't know, like if not for that would not be for me, but people that love that, like they're obviously yeah, so, so into that and um I feel like that's the only way to do it when you have like tigers and those kind of animals because that's how they really trust you thinking about it I mean it makes sense 
Oh yeah, because they you know they build they build those lifelong bonds with them. You know they're feeding mm-hmm. those cubs with their from you their know, babies. Yeah, I mean they're hand feeding those babies from when they're a stick of butter in their hands to when they're 600, 700 pounds. They're hand feeding those big tigers like they're feeding like a dog at home, like a you know any kind of dog at home. Mm-hmm. So you know they have that lifelong bond where you know me and you couldn't go up to a 600 pound 12 year old lion and feed him by hand because yeah. they don't know us, but they would go do that with their trainers because they just know them. They've known them for 10, 15, even, you know, some of the tigers that they have, they're 20 years old. So, you know, that would be so cool. Oh yeah. All the influencers and celebrities that you've met doing these shoots and, you know, the influencer marketing and all that, um, who has been your favorite shoot so far? So, I mean, or or person that you met. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been a ton of them over the last couple of years that, that we've been, like, focusing on that. So we've done shoots with uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who's a star wide receiver. Wow. The Casanova guy, who's like, he's a, he's a pretty relatively known rapper. Yeah. Um, there's uh, the Ace Family. Uh, there's, there's just tons of people. And honestly, I forgot a lot of them. But there's a lot of, like, like, athletes. But the main two that were, to me, the most memorable and something I'll just never forget is – the first would be Floyd Mayweather. So who's like, you know, heavyweight That's champion. Crazy. Yeah, not, not heavyweight, but uh, just world champion boxer. Um, so that was a that was a pretty cool experience. And that was actually at our Miami property. So every every winter we go down to Miami for a couple months and film content down there because Doc has a Miami property, Miami ten acre property down there that he brings some animals during the winter down there just to hang out as his like his little summer home. So I go yeah. down there with him to film content. And it just so happened to be that I knew somebody who knew Floyd Mayweather's bodyguards and the guy get and the guy, uh, you know, he told me, you know, he, you know, I'm, he's like, I'm going to give you this contact. I'm going to vouch for you. So the guy doesn't think you're some crazy kind of fan. Um, you have to, you have to do all the legwork. you got to make sure that you make it happen, but there's only so much I can do. So he, you know, he gave me the number. I contacted the bodyguard. Um, and you know, I, said, hey, man, you know, I, I've heard Floyd, Floyd's in the area of Miami. Uh, we have a little safari here. We'd love for Floyd to come experience, you know, do whatever, you know, whatever he wants. If he wants to come meet a tiger, come meet a tiger. If he wants to meet a monkey, come meet a monkey. You know, whatever he wants to do. Because, you know, he has 28 million followers on Instagram and just that reach of being that, that would be iconic huge. Michael Jordan-esque kind of figure, you know, just like someone who's like a, just a monster in, in, in his industry. Mm-hmm. So... I said, like, whatever he wants to do, I'm going to make sure that he can do it. And at the time, when I first contacted him, I didn't mention this to anybody at the safari. So nobody even knew I was doing this. So <laughs> I'm, like, conversing with this bodyguard who, you know, this guy's next level. This guy's, you know, you know superstardom kind of guy, bodyguard, you know, protecting this guy, this billion-dollar athlete. Mm-hmm. So, so I sent him some videos of some other influence that have, have come in the past. That, you know, this is what he can kind of do. This is the pictures that he'll get. And the guy said, okay, let me, let me show Floyd. I'll get back to you when I get back to you. So like 10 minutes later, he says, he texts me back and he goes, all right, we'll be there at two o'clock tomorrow. And I was like, oh crap, two o'clock tomorrow. So I got, I, so I ran in the house and I'm like, <laughs> uh, guys, uh, you know, I think Floyd Mayweather's coming tomorrow and nobody believed me. They were kind of like, okay, well, we'll be ready, but we doubt he's going to come because yeah, I've like never he didn't had to show up. Well, yeah, I've never had that someone of that magnitude come, you know, wow. and getting someone like that takes a lot of work, a lot of persuasion, and sometimes a ton of money, because mm-hmm. having someone come promote something, um, you know, 
you got to pay the guy. So, yeah. but, you know, we didn't talk about any money he, and I didn't talk about any kind of social media promotion. I kind of just wanted him to get here because just getting him here was the light was the most of the work. So the, the, so the next day comes along and, you know, we're sitting at like two o'clock now. He told me he's going to come at two o'clock and I'm like, okay, he's not here. What's going on? I'm calling the bodyguard. He's not answering me. And you know, now it comes up on four o'clock and I'm like, okay, he's two hours late. Everyone's asking me, Hey, like what's going on? We have stuff to do. Like we could be doing other stuff if we're waiting. So the guy finally calls me and he's like, Hey man, you know, we're like 20 minutes out. I'm like, yeah, man, you know, you're two hours late. You know, is everything okay? He goes, yeah, we stopped at Burger King. Oh my gosh. Stopped at Burger King? Like this guy's like a championship athlete and he's like eating Burger King. And he wants Burger King. (laughs) Really? And I'm like, oh my God. So I told them and they still didn't believe me. They're like, what do you mean he stopped at Burger King? How is that even believable? (laughs) And then, you know, little little did I know, you know, here he comes with eight big black Sprinter vans coming down the road. Like if he was like the president of the United States and pulling in with a huge motorcade and out comes these like exotic women and big bodyguards like SWAT team kind of guys and you know he comes in and he has like 30 people with him comes in you know we bring out the tigers we bring out the monkeys and he doesn't want to touch anything he, he doesn't really care about what's going on he just yeah. wants his people to to have a good time so but I'm sitting there like man like I gotta get this guy to, to take a photograph with something so we can post it yeah so you're thinking not, about like, what are we putting on Instagram later <laughs> yeah because if, if, if he's not participating then what the heck's the point and it's all happening you yeah, know, I'm glad everyone's having fun, but you know, on the other end, it's like for the safaris, and like we're doing all this work. You know, this is like a fifty thousand dollar job that we would normally do for somebody if they had like this kind of party. You know, mm-hmm. so this is like this is like bad if he doesn't do anything. So we're like, so I, I'm actually talking to him, and I'm like, hey man, you know, you got you want to meet anything? Like you like? He's like, man, I already have a tiger in Russia. I don't <laughs> care about the tigers. And I, I've already had monkeys. I don't want I don't want to touch a monkey. I can do that wherever I want. So I'm like, so I'm talking to Doc and I'm like, Doc, you think we could bring the cheetah out, you know, something different, you know, who would have thought we'd have a cheetah. So we bring, we walked the, the, it's like a one, one year old cheetah at the time. And he freaks out about the cheetah. He's like, oh my God, I've never seen a cheetah this close. I got to walk the cheetah. So we're like looking at it everyone's looking at each other. Like, all right, give him the leash. Like let him walk the cheetah. I mean, it's hilarious. So is that when you got your content from the cheetah? Is that the picture that you got? Yeah, so so he so he's walking the cheetah around. He has all the he has his bling on, his gold chain, you know, his forty pound gold chain or whatever the heck it was. It was huge. <laughs> um, but he's like he's like yeah, let let me get a picture. Let me get a picture. So he gets on one knee, gets a gets a photo with the cheetah, and we finally get the photo. And I like run in the house. I go in the house, edit the photo up real quick because he's like, man, I need that because I showed him the photo. He's like, I need that photo right now. You got to give me that photo right now. <laughs> And what am I going to tell Floyd Mayweather? No, like, so yeah, no run way. Out, get it on my Photoshop, edit a couple of the best photos that I, that I, that I knew I had, ran them out to him, you know, airdropped them to his phone. And I was like, Hey man, you know, I, I'd be really great if, you know, you could post this and, and, and tag us. And he's like, he, he, he like hands me his phone and he goes, Hey man, you, you just do it. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I Oh my God. So you got to post it from his phone. Yeah, so I tagged Myrtle Beach Safari, and you know, I ended up tagging myself with a photo credit, and I was like, okay, this is awesome, you know. You know, it ended up working out great and worked out for the best. We got a post on the biggest athlete in the world. That is um, so hype. On his social media, and it all worked out, so. And he was only really there for 30 minutes, so it wasn't like it was a 
super intensive thing for anybody who worked there. It was just, you know, it was, he was in and out very quick because he had to go get his private jet or something like that. Yeah, literally, um, with his tiger on it. <laughs> yeah. What a, I mean, that, what a crazy cool. experience. Oh, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, something that, that's something I probably for sure will definitely never forget. And like, and, and another cool one, if anyone who knows who he is, the, the Undertaker, who's like a wrestling legend, and that mm-hmm. just personally for me was super cool just because that's someone who I grew up watching. And, you know, me and him rode in the car together to Gordon Biersch, if you're familiar with Gordon Biersch and Marky Common. You know, we went to go get food oh, with yeah. Gordon Biersch. And he told me all the old wrestling stories and some of that. But, I mean, just personally, like, that was super cool, too, because he's like that Michael Jordan-esque kind of guy mm-hmm. in his field as well. So, I have a like feeling like, those two were cool. I have a feeling you're going to meet a lot of more really cool people coming up for sure. Cause oh, you guys are just oh, growing yeah. and growing and growing. And that's so awesome. Um, no, so- it's been, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been incredible. Um, so, you know, you, you just can't beat it, you know, how do you go from here? I mean, I feel like you are doing pretty much everything that you love right now. Do you have any future plans? Um, so I'm always like open to, to, to growing and, and doing something new. And, you know, if that opportunity ever presents itself, I'm always willing to do, to, to do the next thing. Um, Cause I'm just that kind of person, especially being from New York, we're always, you know, on to the next thing and always willing to, mm-hmm. you know, we always want something new. And that's why I, I do like the safari a lot because there's always new people coming in and there's always something new to do, something new to catch. Um, but, you know, I, I've always had a love for sports photography and I love doing stuff with musicians like rappers and, you know, singers and stuff, stuff like that. So that always piques my interest. So if I'm ever offered to go do something like that, like when Casanova came to the Safari, who's a rapper, he ended up, he ended up getting booked for a big show in New York City, which is called Summer Jam. And mm-hmm. he actually hired me from taking, like, you know, I took the pictures of him at the Safari and he loved the pictures so much. You know, he hired me to come do his show at Summer Jam, which is a huge, like, festival kind of concert in new york yeah um, there's so many you know, people play there don't they it's, just, oh yeah, it's so, a huge lineup no yeah, yeah so that was great so i got to go take pictures of that and meet all those rappers like meek mill and the migos from that experience and the city girls and all that kind of stuff so wow. that was a great experience and that was just from doing the stuff with the safari and taking those pictures and videos and all that kind of cool stuff um so you know you, you can't really beat that you know no that and experience. but like I said, I'm always willing to, to do something else if the opportunity arises. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, that is awesome. And Nick, I want to say thank you so much for being a guest today. It means a lot. And I know all of the listeners are going to love this story. Uh, Nick has around 35K on Instagram and almost a million on TikTok, which is crazy. Yep. Where yep, can everyone find you? So you can find me on Instagram at NickB underscore photos. Um, and then on TikTok, you can find me at NickB photos. Uh, check me out on there. Um, and I think that's pretty much all. I'm working on possibly a YouTube down the line, but you know, that's, I'm trying to work on that. Maybe doing some vlogs and some behind the scenes. Yeah, that. that'd be a good idea. Yeah. So that's like, that's in the works. Um, but mainly on TikTok, mainly on Instagram, I, I'm, I'm, pushing tiktok big just because that's the platform to be on if anyone's looking to be on social media and make a name for yourself definitely check out tiktok because i'm telling you that's the place to be because everything that's trending and going on is everyone's posting on there that's 
that's where it is. Like that's, you can you can blow pop. up so fast on there for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I blew up from you know I think in like three or four months. Got I'm almost at a million on TikTok. Got a couple sponsorships with like Bang Energy, so making a little extra cash on there. Yeah. And, you know, so if you know if you can do it, and if you want to be creative, definitely get on there, and also push your Instagram, push some YouTube stuff. You know, do what you can do and make mm-hmm. it happen. For sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nick. For sure. It was great talking to you. It was fun. I love it. And keep doing your thing. You're doing a great job. (laughs) Thanks. You too. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye.